Hello and welcome to Box Office Receipts. I'm your host Tyler Callahan and this week is a bit quiet. Things start to move a bit in Hollywood as the writer's strike wraps up, but the actors and studios have yet to meet to resume negotiations. Still, there is some news to go over and numbers to talk about. So let's start with the domestic top five. Staying in first place is The Nun 2 with another 8.5 million for a total of 69.3 million. Opening in second place is The Expendables 4 with $8 million. Third place was A Haunting in Venice with 6.3 million for a total of 25.3 million. In fourth place was The Equalizer 3 with 4.7 million for a total now of $81.2 million. And in fifth place was Barbie with 3.2 million for a total of 630.4 million. So Warner Brothers are still having a good time thanks to the Nun 2 and was definitely a smart move to have it open in September, giving it some breathing room from the upcoming Exorcist movie. As for Lionsgate and Expendables, well, this wasn't a surprise. Reviews are terrible, and with no stars available to promote, the film opened to a franchise lowest. And with a reported budget of 100 million, having seen it all on, having seen the trailer, I don't know how that movie is 100 million dollars. It clearly has to go to mostly the actors, with some of the CGI in that trailer. But anyway, uh, with a reported budget of $100 million, I do hope Lionsgate made most of that back from selling the foreign rights to the film, because they ain't making no profit on this at the box office. It is not happening. In China, Dust to Dust reclaimed first place with $7.5 million for a total of $56.6 million. In second place was The Expendables 4, which earned $4.2 million for a total now of $19.3 million. Third place was No More Bets with $2.6 million for a total now of $526.6 million. And fourth place was Oppenheimer with $2.4 million for a total of $57.5 million. And back in the top five is Creation of the Gods 1, Kingdom of Storms with $1.7 million for a total of $360.2 million. Yeah, Creation of the Gods had a great weekend, only dropping 19% from the previous weekend and it moves up from 7th. As for the box office overall, it is still quiet, but we are getting some bigger Chinese films coming out next weekend, including The X-Files 4 and Under the Light. Hopefully, they bring in audiences. As for Oppenheimer, it looks like it will not make it to $75 million, but like in a lot of other countries, it did overperform. Disney and Marvel Studios got approval to release the Marvels in China, and also secured a day-and-date release with the rest of the world, so it will premiere on November 10th. Taking a look at international markets, E-Expendables 4 earned $12.3 million for a worldwide total of $33.9 million. The Nun 2 earned $20.8 million for a worldwide total of $204.2 million. The Equalizer 3 earned $5.4 million for a total of $148.7 million worldwide. Gran Turismo is now at 110.5 million worldwide, and Oppenheimer is at 926 million worldwide. As for news in Hollywood, sadly there were some deaths this week, with Michael Gambon having passed away at 82 due to pneumonia. While he was most known for his role as Dumbledore in most of the Harry Potter films, he starred in other films as well, including Layer Cake and The King's Speech, among others. He was also uh, really big in plays as well. We also had another death this week with 
David McCallum passing away at 90. While he was more of a TV star, uh, he was a staple for shows across decades, star, uh, starring in the Man from Uncle show back in the 60s, and over the past 20 years in the crime drama NCIS. May they both rest in peace, and thoughts and prayers are with their family. There was an acquisition this week, and that was Letterbox, which was acquired by Tiny, which is a Canadian tech holding company. Even though Tiny will now have a majority share of the company, the plan is for the founders to keep running it independently. As for why they agreed to this, well, the founders plan to work with Tiny to increase growing their platform. Personally, I love Letterbox and have been using it for years, so good for them. I just hope they continue to grow in a good way. In an update to the Eras tour, Taylor Swift is now planning to head to theaters worldwide. Previously, it was just the US, Mexico, Canada, and that was it. But now, it'll be in theaters in over 100 countries. For Europe, AMC has made a deal with Odoron to distribute, so they will be the main theater to go watch if you are in the UK, Ireland, Spain, Italy, and Germany. As for the release date, there won't be a delay, as it is set to release in other countries on October 13th as well. We're looking at the possibility of Taylor Swift entering the top 10 worldwide at the box office this year. That is something now that can happen. I will say theater owners must be loving this, because with movies like Doom being pushed back, this does help theaters going, as there will be a lot of people coming to see this. As for the strikes, the WGA board have voted to approve the deal. This means the strike is now over, as writers can go back to work as the guild votes on ratifying the deal. At this point, it's a formality with details having come out about the deal. No one really has had any issues with it. So, basically 99% chance it will pass the guild vote and it will be done. So, with the writer's strike now over, how about the actors? Well, the good news is that SAG and the AMPTP are set to meet next week to resume talks. Hopefully, they're able to make some progress. It was also mentioned that some of the studio executives will also attend the meeting, so it looks like they're taking it seriously. For new movies in development, we are getting a Paw Patrol 3. This was announced in the lead-up to the release of the second film, Paw Patrol The Mighty Movie. The third film is set to come out sometime in 2026. This isn't a shock. The franchise is very popular with kids, so why not keep it going? An exclusive from Deadline, Marvel Studios is getting ready to meet with writers for their X-Men movie. The purpose of the meetings is to hear pitches on what the movie could be. Deadline also mentions since the movie is not even dated yet, they are not in a rush to hire someone and move forward with pre-production. So don't get too excited. Yes, Marvel Studios is starting to get ready to work on it, but it will still be years away. James Gunn confirmed on threads that the three DC characters moving over to the new DCU are Amanda Waller, Peacemaker, and Blue Beetle all being played by their respective actor. So, no recasting for these roles. I think those three make sense. Viola Davis as Waller has been great so far, and same with John Cena as Peacemaker. And it would be a shame to waste their performances just because of setting up a new universe. Um, and while he didn't directly mention it, I'm going to assume the supporting characters from the Peacemaker show will also be brought over. It's going to be kind of weird if John Cena's Peacemaker is the same, He's making season two of Peacemaker, and all the supporting characters are different. That seems kind of weird, so I'm just kind of assuming that group comes over. And for Blue Beetle, yeah, the box office hasn't been great for the movie, but it reviewed well enough, and people who have seen it like it. So I think it's only fair he gets another shot. 
A few episodes ago, we talked about Screen Gems president Steve Birch stepping down, and now we know who is taking the role. Deadline is exclusively reporting that Ashley Brooks will become president starring September 13th. She seems to be a solid pick as she is the senior EVP and head of development at Paramount Players. During her 15 years at Paramount, she helped bring in Paranormal Activity and the franchise that was built. Along with that, she oversaw other horror movies like A Quiet Place and the latest Scream movies. That's a pretty good resume, so with Screen Gems having a focus on horror movies, uh, she fits the role for president really well. Denmark will submit The Promised Land as their candidate for Best International Feature Film at the Oscars. The film stars Mads Mikkelsen and has showings at the Venice and Toronto festivals. We got some new trailers this week from Apple and Universal. We got our first look at Argyle, and it looks okay. The film has a great cast, and Matthew Vaughn has directed good movies before. But I don't know this one's going to grab me. I'm hoping it's just not a good trailer, and the movie's a lot better. But we'll see. Uh, it comes to theaters February 2nd. Disney released a new trailer for their upcoming animated film, Wish. That is set to come out November 22nd. Let's kick off VOD Premium with Netflix, where they have ended their DVD business. The service that started Netflix as a company lasted 25 years with over 5 billion shipments. As for what was the last movie shipped, it was a copy of the Coen Brothers version of True Grit. Great film, by the way. As for the upcoming movies on Netflix, Sam Ismail, in an interview, mentioned that former President Barack Obama had notes for his movie Leave the World Behind. Quote, in the original drafts of the script, I definitely pushed things a lot farther than they were in the film, and President Obama, having the experience he does have, was able to ground me a little bit on how things might unfold in reality. End quote. As for why the former president had notes, well, the movie's being produced by his and Michelle Obama's production company, Higher Ground. The movie does look interesting, and it is set for a limited release in theaters on November 22nd, and will be released on Netflix on December 8th. Netflix released a trailer for Fair Play. This is the movie they brought back at Sundance in the beginning of the year. It will have a limited release in theaters on September 29th, and then premiere on Netflix on October 6th. They also released a trailer for another film they bought at the festival, May December. This is the one starring Natalie Portman and Julianne Moore. Besides being shown in festivals, it will have a limited release in theaters on November 17th, and then premiere on Netflix on December 1st. In an exclusive from Variety, they are reporting that Emily in Paris' fourth season is scheduled to start shooting in January, assuming the SAG strike is over by then. This is due to the Summer Olympics next summer that are being hosted in Paris due to all the filming shoots. Due to this, all filming shoots are banned from June to September next year. So it's not just for Emily in Paris. It's any studio, as soon as cameras can roll again, it's going to be a mad dash to film in and around Paris before that comes into effect. HBO has set a release date for the upcoming season of True Detective called True Detective Night Country. The six-episode season will premiere on January 14th. AMC has launched an ad-supported tier of AMC Plus in a way to get more subscribers. The ad tier of the service will cost $4.99 per month compared to the $8.99 per month for the now ad-free tier. As for how many ads will be shown, AMC says it'll run less than five minutes of commercials per hour. Also, compared to some other streamers, all content will be available to watch. 
The 499 price is a good start, and I actually think it could help boost their numbers a bit. I think AMC is starting to realize that people view them as an add-on to whatever services people subscribe to. For example, for a lot of people, Netflix and Disney Plus are their two main subscriptions that they never cancel, and then they might rotate out one or two other ones. Well, being able to say now ours is $4.99, well, that could entice people to try it out. For Prime Video, Gen V, which is the boys' spin-off show, is now out, and so far it's getting great reviews, with it at 97% on Rotten Tomatoes. Now let's go to Paramount, where over at Showtime, the head of scripted programming, Amy Israel, is leaving after 12 years. She'll be staying on until December as part of a transition period, and while we don't know the reason why, I think a solid guess is the changes Paramount is implementing at Showtime. She doesn't have much to work with. Her main focus over the last 10 years was getting new shows for Showtime and expanding their library. And the future of Showtime is spin-offs of their biggest IPs. That's kind of a waste of her talent. For Paramount Plus, they are expanding their relationship with CJ E&M in South Korea by announcing three new Korean shows. When they eventually are released, they will be available in select territories besides South Korea. This includes the US, UK, and some other countries in Europe. Back in the United States, a majority of the streaming services have banded together to form a lobbying alliance called the Streaming Innovation Alliance. The purpose of the group is to lobby the government for policies that, quote, build on the strong, competitive, and pro-consumer market for streaming video, end quote. Some of the members include Netflix, Max, Paramount+, Plus, BET+, Plus, Disney+, Plus, Peacock, and VIX. The biggest ones that have not joined are Apple, Amazon, and YouTube. I'm curious if this will go anywhere in them succeeding in getting laws passed or persuade lawmakers to change bills to fit more of what they want. Also, uh, sorry, just quick clarification. Uh, I mentioned Disney Plus was part. That's inaccurate. Technically, Disney company as a whole is part of the new lobby group. And we finish up with the Nielsen Top 10 for the week of August 28th to September 3rd. Suits once again came in first place with 2.4 billion minutes. Uh, debuting in second place is One Piece, which had 1.3 billion minutes watched. And some bad news for Disney Plus, Ahsoka has dropped out of the overall top 10 list with only just a bit over 400 million minutes watched. For the streaming original show top 10 chart, it did land at number 5. And that's it for this episode of Box Office Receipts. If you want to follow me on Threads, X, Instagram, or Facebook, links to those are in the show notes. Thank you for listening, and see you next time.